Welcome to Life Center Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and our church, visit lifecenternyc.com. Jesus is in the room. Jesus is beckoning each and every one of us, even now. I don't care whether you've just come to know him or you've been serving him for 40 years. There's a, there's a call and a beckoning. It's to come up higher, to encounter the God-man. He's so, so in love with you, and he wants you to know his heart. It's important, First Timothy says, you know, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that doesn't need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So hear me, it's important we know the word and we know our, you, you understand good doctrine and all of that but that's not what moves his heart. It's very important, but it's not what moves his heart. You see, he's a passionate lover. His eyes are filled with fire. And and the Bible says he's jealous over you. He's jealous for you. He wants your heart. He wants your heart. When you give him all of your heart, it says, what's the first commandment? First place. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, with all your strength. The first part is love him with all your heart. What moves his heart is... passion for him. It's passion for him. The Bible tells us that David was a man after God's own heart. He understood how to move heaven. Through the scripture, there are are others who actually really truly move the heart of God, and I want to look at that because I don't want to just come to him with what I want. I want to come to him in a posture of humility and grace, understanding that I didn't choose him, he chose me. When I was his enemy, he died for me. When I wanted nothing to do with God, he made a way for me. And he continued to draw me to him. There's a posture of our hearts before the Lord that truly moves heaven. And he wants us to come and learn of him. Jesus said, come and learn of me. I am meek and humble. Come to me, all you who are burdened and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. How many want to enter into his rest? You know, we sang a couple of songs today. And when he moves and when we pray, 
make no mistake, the bowels of hell begin to shake. We can enter into partnership with God that shakes the very core of the demonic realm. Because he's called us into this partnership place. You know, he's called us as a, to be his bride. And uh, guys, don't get freaked out about it. It's just as he's a good father and we're his sons and daughters, he's also called us to be the bride of Christ, which means to enter into this intimacy and partnership, to work together with him. We co-labor together. I want to know what moves his heart. Because I know if I can start to move with him, move with the emotions of God, he's not just, he's the creator of the universe. There's no one who knows more than God. You know, and it's good that we train our minds and our intellects to understand the word, rightly dividing the word of truth, and I do it. I encourage you to do it. But it's also loving him with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. We, we, it, it, we can't separate those things. And we can't, it's not just, he, he's not Dr. Spock in heaven. <laughs> he's a living God who feels all of the emotions we feel, he feels. He gave us our emotions, you know, and I, I'm not saying you should be led around by your emotions. Probably not. You know, we, we go off. But don't discard the, the real, the, the emotions he's given us because they're part of us and they're part of him. Right now, I really feel like we're in a Revelations 4 moment. Turn with me to Revelations 4 real quick. Revelations 4.1, I'm going to read from the, I'm reading from the New King James Version. After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, come up here and I will show you things to take place after this. God is looking for friends in this day, people who will carry his heart. Why, when God was passing by, going to check out if what he was hearing about Sodom and Gomorrah was in fact so. On his way, what did he say? He said, should I hide from Abraham the thing that I'm about to do? Because I'm going to make, I know Abraham is going to become a great nation. He's got a heart after me. I'm going to share with Abraham what I'm about to do. And so he stops by to talk with Abraham and he Start sharing why. Because he knows Abraham is carrying his heart. And what will Abraham do? Abraham will not just lean into the judgment of God. Abraham will lean into the mercy of God. Abraham will lean into the mercy of God and say, God, in judgment, remember mercy. God, if there were 50 righteous in the city, would you still destroy the city? And he says, no, for 50, I won't do it. And then he keeps bargaining him down until he gets down to like 10. Because he was leaning in to the mercy of God. In Jesus, mercy and truth have met together. They've come together. Grace and truth. There's a truth. You know, God is holy. And in him there is no unrighteousness at all. But he's made a way for us. In his mercy, he sent Jesus, his only begotten son. God come in the flesh. 
to die an excruciating, horrible, tormenting death on the cross instead of us. He took your place. And he actually died a horrible death. He actually went into the very bowels of hell in your place. But on the third day, he rose again. And because he lives, we live also. Now, he's called us to partner with him. And right now, we're in a Revelation 4 moment, and God's saying, come up here. Come up higher. Let me show you things to come. I, I'm looking for those who will partner with me. How many in this room have a yes? I want to partner with the Lord. That's what he's looking for. How many will partner with him? But if we want to partner with him, we have to learn of him. He's meek and he's humble. He's not full of himself. He's not full of self-strength. Jesus did nothing in his own strength, did nothing of his own will. He came as a completely submitted human being, submitted to the will of the Father, completely obedient, not pushing forth his own agenda, his own desires, but he came saying, God, not my will, but yours be done. What moves the heart of God? Well, I could tell you what doesn't. Scripture says that he resists the proud, right? But he gives grace to the humble. Grace is a divine enablement. Grace is his, just his unmerited favor. I mean, there's so much in grace. I don't think any of us can fully define it, but it's, it's all there. It's, it's the unmerited favor of God. It's his enablement. It's... Uh, it's the power of God. It's his forgiveness. It's, it goes on and on and on. Right now he's saying, would you come up higher? Would you not hold on so tightly to the things of this earth and start to be have like a, a heavenly mindset? You know, God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How do we move the heart of God? Turn with me. <clears throat> to Luke chapter 10. I want to look at Mary and Martha from a little bit, maybe a different angle than we've looked at it or considered it before. Mary, Jesus, the Bible says Jesus loved Mary and he loved Martha. And actually, they were his friends. He went into their house. He ate with them. He hung out with them. They had a an intimacy and a closeness that not a lot of others had. They had access to him because uh, they were friends. And I, and I think when we look at Mary and Martha, I think there's two, there's, we have both in the church. And it's not that Martha's bad and Mary's good. It's not that. It's just we have to see ourselves in both Mary and in Martha. And rightly navigate. Martha gets a lot done. Martha is on top of it. Make sure things happen. And things need to happen. Things need to happen. But I thank God for all the Marthas in this church. Nothing would happen without you guys. But you don't have to be just a Martha. We want the right Jesus amount of both in us, right? It's, it's all about being... God-conscious, God-focused. 
Okay, Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse 38. Now it happened as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Come and come, Jesus, have dinner with us. Now she had a sister called Mary who also sat at his feet And heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to get up off her lazy behind and and help me. (laughs) And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. You're worried and troubled about many things. It's not just this, Martha. You're worried and troubled about many things. One thing is needed. Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. So Martha was distracted, She was worried, and she was troubled. How many have ever been distracted, worried, and troubled? (laughs) That's why we're all here. Jesus, I hear you. Thank you. Jesus is here. He wants us to see another way. None of us in our self-strength, in the ingenuity of our own minds, in all of these things are going to make it perfect. David was a man after God's own heart, but when you read the life of David, he made a lot of mistakes, some of them quite terrible. And, uh, but he knew where he had to go to be cleansed of his sin, to receive forgiveness, and and to be restored into relationship. And that's, he knew how to move the heart of God. Let's keep reading. Okay. So Martha was distracted. What's the opposite of being distracted? Being focused. Single eye. Know Know where you're going. Know what you're doing. Focus. As opposed to trying to do everything. Be, be, there's so many things going on. I got to do this. I got to do that. And it's important that you know the moment you're in. You know, where there are, there's a time for every purpose under heaven, as scripture says. And so you and I need not to be unaware of the times and seasons we live in and the moment. This was a moment. What was the moment? Jesus came into her house, Martha's house, at Martha's invitation, and was in her living room. Mary recognized this is a moment. And she went into the living room, sat down with all the men, because the culture of the time was, you know, the men would sit together and, you know, Mary probably should have been helping Martha prepare 
But she said, oh, I'm not going to miss. This is a moment. I am not missing this moment. I'm going to sit here right at his feet and hear the words that he's speaking. In Luke 4, you know, Jesus, when he was tempted by the, the devil, uh, in Luke 4, verses 3 and 4, it says, the devil said to him, if you're the son of God, command these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, saying, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's where Mary was operating from. <laughs> God is in my house. I'm just going to sit here at his feet and hear the words that he's saying. When Jesus said that, he was quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1 to 3. You can read that on your own. So, Jesus would not deny Mary. Mary's heart posture, there was something that even though maybe customarily she should have been, he's like, I'm not going to deny Mary this opportunity. She's chosen what's better. Martha must have continued to probably said, mm, you know, she could have, had, she probably had an opportunity to be offended maybe, I don't know. But <clears throat> let's keep moving. Let's look now. Okay, that's John. All right, that was Luke 10. Let's look at uh, John 11, and we see the same family, Jesus' friends, John chapter 11, beginning of verse 1. Mary and Martha had a brother. His name was Lazarus. Now, a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, now, that was the town of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was that Mary. Say, that Mary. That Mary. Which Mary was it? That Mary. Who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil. That hadn't even happened yet, but John felt it necessary to sort of comment. It was that Mary that a few chapters later would anoint him with oil for his burial. Hopefully, we'll get there. Let's see. All right. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, the sisters sent to him. They sent a word to him. They sent a messenger, whoever. They sent this message to Jesus saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. So they sent a messenger. The one you love is sick. Bethany is about two miles away from Judea where they are, uh, where Jesus happens to be right now. And um, I don't know, two miles, how long? It takes maybe a 30-minute walk uh, to get there. And what, is, what does Jesus do? When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Jesus loved Martha. She gets mentioned by name here. And her sister. 
and Lazarus. So it wasn't, see, he loved them, but Jesus didn't move by the way most of us operate in our human understanding. Just someone you love very much is sick. Our natural reaction is, oh, let me go to them. You know, uh, someone sends me a word, your, 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 your wife, your son, your grandson, somebody's sick, they're in the hospital. I'm like, I got to go. Right? We go. Jesus probably felt that, but what did he do? He first communed with the Father, and then what does he do? He states, this sickness is not unto death. He's releasing a word of faith, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified. So he's just not reacting out of the flesh. He walks in communion with God. And I say that because... When we see how Jesus operates, it's an invitation to you and I to walk in communion with God. He lived a life to demonstrate for us how we're to walk. It's just important that you understand that. He didn't react to the situation. He had communion with God. God spoke to him, this sickness is not unto death. And so he announced that to his disciples, but that God should be glorified. Let's keep going. So Jesus loved Martha and, his, and, and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was, which is counterintuitive to our natural understanding, but he was walking in obedience to the Father. Then after this, he said to his disciples, okay, now let's go up to Judea again. Now his disciples, the text doesn't, the text sort of lets you know this is their thought in the process. Uh, why isn't Jesus going? The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and are you going there again? So when he didn't go right away, they figured they understood why he wasn't going. I understand why you're not going, even though you love Lazarus and he's sick, you're not going because they're going to kill you if you go up there. But that had nothing to do with Jesus' reasoning. (laughs) Jesus answered and said, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. He's kind of talking parabolically, but he's communing with the Father. He's got the light. He is the light of the world. And his Father's telling him, if if I follow my Father, if I go where the Spirit goes, I'm not going to stumble. So he's going to go now because the Spirit is beckoning him. Now's the time. These things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go to wake him up. His disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he'll get better. Jesus spoke of his death. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he was talking about just resting, taking in sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, look, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go. I feel bad for the disciples sometimes. Like, you read these things, and you just be scratching your head like, what? (laughs) So then Thomas, who thinks he, uh, you know, they knew why he didn't go right away, but he's all right. 
Thomas, who's called the twins, said to his fellow, all right, let us go, that we may die with him. Because they're figuring, the Jews wanted to stone him, they're going to get us too. <laughs> so when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now, Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. I kind of imagine that Martha was, we sent word to Jesus. I know he's going to come. And she's kind of pacing back and forth, troubled, distracted, worried. Where is he? Where is he? If he, was, if he comes, I know it's going to be okay. And then her brother dies. And she's going back and forth. Now Martha, as soon as she heard, oh, he's coming. He's on his way. She went out and met him. But Mary was stayed sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus and mocked these words, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Some verses later, Mary will speak the exact same words. I want to focus on, you know, you can say the same thing, but come from a different place of the heart. Martha spoke the words... And I kind of think, because of the dialogue that follows, that these words may have been more agreeing with the accuser. Like, Lord, where were you? If you were here, my brother wouldn't have died. What happened? <clears throat> you know, the accuser will always speak in our ears, the enemy, just accusations against God, accusations against ourselves, accusations against others. Whenever you hear accusation, recognize where it comes from. If you hear bad words in your head about this person is just trying to be mean or whatever, or they don't mean what they just said, understand that's the voice of the accuser. Don't partner with it. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask God, God will give you. She kind of retreats a little bit from the accusation and throwing a little bit of her theology in. Now, Jesus said to her, Martha, your brother will rise again. And Martha said, I know, I know, I know. He's going to rise again at the resurrection on the last day. I wonder if she really knew. Sometimes when people say, I know, I know, not really sure if they know. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he asked her this question. Do you believe this? Jesus doesn't ask questions because he doesn't have an because he doesn't know the answer. <laughs> When God asks you a question, it's not because God's lacking information. The questions tend to be rhetorical. 
and they're meant for you to ask yourself, do you believe this? I've been in a place where I've said, oh, I believe this. This is the scripture. People have, and, I, and I'll tell you what the scripture says. But sometimes, intellectually, you understand what the scripture says, but in your heart, you're disconnected. Like, I, I, I choose to believe the Bible, but emotionally, some, I'm disconnected from this. And God wants to make the, the heart jump from your head to your heart, those 18 inches of faith in belief. Okay. Jesus said to her, uh, he who believes in me. Okay, do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you're the Christ, the Son of God, who's come into the world. And when she had said these things, she went away and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, the teacher has come, and he's calling for you. Whether Jesus actually called for her and it's not recorded, I don't know. But Martha went and told Mary this. Mary responds immediately and says, as soon as she heard that, she rose quickly and came to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the town, but he was in a place where Martha had just met him. And then the Jews were with, with her in her house and comforting her when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out they followed her saying oh she's going to the tomb she wants to continue to cry and weep there she was in mourning understand their brother passed away this was a, they were in mourning then when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him she fell at his feet it's a different posture. She fell at his feet. Said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. I think Mary spoke the same words, but one was out of a faith posture and not accusation. Why do I say that? Because she got a completely different response from Jesus. Same words, but out of a different place of the heart. Therefore, okay, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, he saw her pain. She wasn't coming at him with accusation. She was in deep grief. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her weeping, he, he groaned in the spirit and he was troubled. What a different response. When Martha came out, they sort of got into like a theological back and forth. Are you the resurrection? Are you the Messiah? Is he going to rise on the third day? <laughs> like this accusation, like where were you? And, but 
she falls at his feet weeping and makes a statement just, I think, she knew. God, Lord, if you were here, he, he just wouldn't have died. And the response was, he groaned in his spirit and he was troubled. She touched something in his heart. God, tell me what moves you. How often are we invited into this place where there's some level of disappointment, divine delay, something we really don't understand? Like, God, I was, how did this happen? I mean, I was praying. These things happened, and we somehow entertain the accusation of the enemy against God. God doesn't really, you know, he heals other people. He's not going to heal you, or, you know, you're not God's favorite, or God, you know, Somehow God's, you know, he'll do all these things for others, but you're out somewhere else. And those are all accusations. And if we partner with them, you actually partner with the enemy. But when we don't, but we come to him, even in, our, in the d divine delay, in the disappointment, and just, God, if you were here, I know he wouldn't have died. And just, you're pouring your heart out. You're pouring your pain out to the Lord he enters into that with her, and he groans within himself. And then he, God, tell me what moves you. You have to see in Mary's approach to the Lord that she moves his heart. And then what does he say? Where have you laid him? What a different response. What a different response from the Lord. Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. The next verse of the Bible. Jesus wept. Jesus felt the pain that Mary felt. And he wept. Then the Jews said, oh, see how we love them. And, so them. and some of them said, again, <clears throat> the voice of the accuser, hear it here. Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? See, this was swirling in the air. And... I want to tell you, like, you're going to have opportunity. These things will swirl in the air around you, and you have to say, God, I don't understand, but I know you're good, and I choose to believe your goodness, and I choose to throw myself at your feet and just stay there and, and weep if you have to weep and mourn if you have to mourn. It's, I'm not saying it's not painful, but you, you don't enter into accusation with the Lord, but you just say, God, I don't understand, but... I know you have the, the words of life. I, I'm just holding on tight. God, help me. And that moves the heart of God. But the accusation was still swirling. Then Jesus again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone laid against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. 
in Martha, and Jesus loved Martha. But Martha ever has her eyes on the practicality, on what's right in front, like, wait a second, hold on, Jesus. She said to him, Lord, by this time, it stinks. It's going to be bad. He's been in the ground four days dead. And then Jesus had to remind her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? God responds to faith. We have to believe. We have to trust him. He doesn't respond to your intellectual assent. We have to trust him at, at a heart level. It's, it's, he wants you to love him with all your heart. We have, to, we have to go to the heart level. Did I not say to you, Martha, if you would believe... If you would believe, you would see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, you know, you can't miss any of these words. Like every word here is so deep and important. Jesus did what? He lifted up his eyes in communion with his father. We want to be so connected to the Father, moving with His Spirit, just not moved by the things in the natural that, that are speaking all around us. There's a swirl of accusation in the atmosphere. It's, it's all around. There's disappointment. There's hurt. There's accusation. But He lifts His eyes to heaven. And He says, Father, I thank You that You've heard me. And actually, I know that you always hear me, but I'm saying this out loud because of the people who are standing by. I'm saying this. That they may believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said, loose him and let him go. Wow. Jesus. Do you know when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, he basically signed his own death warrant. Do you know what the scripture, the very next scripture says? That from that day on, they plotted to put Jesus to death. They didn't rejoice. Wow, Lazarus was dead. He's buried four days in the ground. It's like, oh my goodness, we can, we're going to have to kill this guy. <laughs> There's no stopping him now. Jesus knew all of that. He knew where he was going, yet he just, he was obedient to the Father, even to the death on the cross. 
even knowing it was going to be, you know, in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, we need to really study like the agony in the garden. I don't, I think we read through it too, too easily. Jesus went through agony to the point where it's like, God, if it's possible, Father, if it's possible, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. What is it that moves the heart of God? What was it about Mary? Jesus loved Martha. It's, we got to get things done, but we have to prioritize what's important. Martha, Mary chose the better thing, and Jesus said it wasn't going to be denied her. We have to understand that there are times when there's a lot of things to do, but we have to sit at his feet and receive from him the strategies of heaven. You know, in your business, you can do a lot of great things, but if you sit at his feet, you can get the strategies of heaven. In your ministry, if you, you can do a lot of great things, but if you sit at his feet and hear from him, you can get the strategies of heaven. You know, there are systems and things we can put in place, and they're all good as long as they're pointing to Jesus, but you want to have the strategies of heaven. You can't you don't want to just get busy doing things and not have hear the word of the Lord for you for the moment. And you want to know your moment. Let's keep looking. Let's go to John 12. Uh, I'm, this, I'm going to close with this scripture. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. John 12, beginning of verse 1, then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. This was a sign and a wonder. God still does signs and wonders. To, to, he's still doing signs and wonders. They don't stop. And so wherever he goes now, he's got Lazarus, kind of his testimony. Just Lazarus... Uh, you want to come up and testify? Like, <laughs> I was three days <laughs> in the ground. Okay. Then they made him supper, and Martha served. Martha's amazing right there. Who's cooking Jesus' dinner? Listen, I'd rather be cooking Jesus' dinner just to be in his presence all the time. That's, I'll do whatever it takes. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary, here's Mary again, barging in where the guys are, not holding back. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard and anointed the feet of Jesus. Where was, where was Jesus when she, where was Mary when she told, when she came, approached Jesus about her dead brother? It says she fell at his feet. Earlier, where was Mary when she was just listening to Jesus when he was invited over for dinner? At his feet. She is always, you find her at the feet of Jesus. Where are we found?
So then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard and anointed the feet of Jesus. And she wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of oil. In the midst of your costly outpouring of worship to the Lord, there's always others there who don't understand it. They don't get it. They're coming from a different place. It says, one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, the same Judas who would betray him, said, why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? The oil was probably the equivalent of like a year and a half's worth of your wages. Just add that up and this is, it was very costly. It was probably put aside for her retirement. (laughs) And she poured it out on his feet. Judas said, why wasn't this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? What a waste. We could have, we could have used that for something more practical. This he said, not because he cared about the poor, because he was a thief. And he had the money box and he used to take what we used to steal from the money box. Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. Mary was recognizing something. Mary understood the moment in time that she was living in. The first time Jesus came over to her house for dinner, lunch, whatever it was, she understood the moment. And she said, I'm going to sit here right at his feet. I'm just going to let his words pour over me. I don't care that I'm not supposed to be here. I don't care about the peer pressure of the moment from my sister. I don't care that it culturally, you know, I'm a woman and all the men are sitting around and it's not proper. I'm going to press in. Mary understood the moments in time because she understood the heart of Jesus and her heart was postured toward him. What is your heart posture? Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. The other disciples didn't even realize. When when Jesus would talk of his burial, they would be like, whoa, whoa, what are you talking about? Peter would brag him aside and say, Lord, this is not going to happen to you. And he rebukes it. You're under the influence of Satan. I rebuke you, Satan. And Peter's like, what? Let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. 
For the poor you will you have with you always, but me you do not always have. Understand the moment you're in. Now a great many Jews knew that he was there and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but they wanted to see this Lazarus who was died and raised from the dead. The chief priests, just bitter. They plotted to put Lazarus to death also. They didn't want to just kill Jesus. We got to kill Lazarus too because he testifies of the risen Christ because on account of him, many Jews went away and believed. God, I want to know what moves your heart. Come up here. Come up higher. Jesus said in Revelation 4, come, and I'm going to show you what's to come. Mary knew it was coming. She knew he was going to the cross, even... Even when he was trying to explain it to his disciples, they weren't, they wouldn't hear it. They had preconceived ideas. They wouldn't just sit and learn in humility of how to fit their theology. <laughs> they didn't know that perfect theology was standing in front of them, speaking to them. God, what moves your heart? I believe there's an invitation today. The invitation is to come and learn of him, to be his disciples, to be like a Mary of Bethany. Are you willing to sit at his feet? Are you willing to resist the peer pressure of the day? Are you willing to even break the protocol to give place to the important in, in, in the face of the urgent. Like, we have to do this now. We have to do that. No, we have to sit here at his feet. We have to hear from heaven. If we don't hear from heaven, nothing else is, nothing else matters. Heidi Baker would have people lined up outside her house looking for counsel. She would see nobody before, I don't know, 11 or 12 o'clock in the afternoon because she had to have hours sitting at his feet or she had nothing to give. You can't solve everybody's problems, but you can hear from heaven. We can all hear from heaven. God, give us the heart of a Mary of Bethany. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can also follow us on Instagram at LifeCenterNYC or YouTube at LifeCenterChurchNYC.